Hey there, thanks for joining our church family at the cross. We pray that this message speaks to your soul and brings you many blessings. We want to take a second and make sure you stay up to date on all things the cross. So please head over to our website, thecross.family. Here is where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our ministries, and get plugged in. Okay, here's the latest message from the cross church. Well, thank you for being with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. It seems as if the hurricane or the storm never really came. That's fine. That's just how Florida is. It uh, makes a lot of promises. It doesn't deliver. So we are playing a little game every Sunday morning. You know how we are. We like playing little games. And the game we are playing is guess that lyric or guess that song. Uh, We have had people guessing the lyrics every single week, I think, so far. And this morning, I decided that we were going to go for an absolute classic. Um, We are talking Shakespeare has nothing on this unbelievable piece of literature. It is just absolutely beautiful. I personally feel like this should be taught in schools. Um, It is a contentious issue, but I think it should be. I think we should force this. But here it is. Um, I'm sure we are going to get this very quickly. We have gift cards available this morning for whoever guesses it first. Jojo, where are they going this week if they guess this? It is Foxtail again this week. So here we go. Cue the lyrics. You can tell your ma. Okay, hang on, hang on. All right, boy. You can tell your ma I moved to Arkansas. Or you can tell your dog to bite my leg. Or you can tell your brother Cliff, whose fist can tell my lips, he never really liked me anyways. Yes, Billy Ray Cyrus, achy breaky heart. There we go. Fantastic. He's from Arkansas. The, uh, the mullet king himself, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, business in the front, party in the back, Billy Ray Cyrus. Achy Breaky Heart, one of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, that is also the title of my message this morning. We are going to be talking about the achy, breaky heart, and we don't want that. So 1 Corinthians 13, we are moving nicely through love and what godly love is all about. So let's go right from the top again, verse 13. We kick off and it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Today we are going to be speaking about the fact that love is not easily angered. I had to think of an example of me losing my cool this week, and I had to go back 20 years because that's how long it's been. That's how long it's been (laughs) since the dear pastor got uh, frustrated. 
I was uh, very new to ministry. I had just recently become a Christian. I was getting very, very involved in my youth group. I was so excited. And uh, the pastor started recognizing, man, there's a bit of a raw talent here. We need to get behind this guy. We need to foster what's there. Um, I started building good relationships with the kids in the youth ministry. I was also a part of a touch rugby league. A touch rugby league is similar to real rugby, except it's supposed to be non-contact. You're supposed to only touch somebody, not fully tackle them. I would assume this is similar to flag football, right? In theory, this should be a very peaceful affair. Anyways, how it turns out, I was in this touch rugby league. My team was really good. I've always just been a natural sporting phenomenon, so I was really good. And uh, we finally got to the knockout stages of the tournament. And uh, there was this guy on the other team that decided he was going to make it his life's mission to irritate me. And what would happen is, is instead of touching me, he would slap me. Um, every time after he touched me, he would come and he would sort of just shove my head in the ground. He sort of ruffled and tussled my hair once. Is there anything worse than that on the face of the planet? The, the, the hair tussle. You want to see the gangster come out, tussle my hair, okay? He did everything he could to provoke me, this fellow. Finally, he did the thing that made me snap. I went to George Costanza. I'm losing it, Jerry. I'm losing it. After the ref made a bad call on me, he came up to me and he did the sarcastic clap in my face. No one sarcastic claps me in my face. So I jumped up off the ground. Remember, this is touch rugby. And I proceeded to choke him. I grabbed him around his neck. And I proceeded to choke the living breath out of his lungs. And I thought to myself, try to be funny now, Mr. Funny, funny man, without breath in your lungs, right? So I had him in a chokehold. I threw him on the ground. We started wrestling. It was vicious. There was a little bit of blood. I called him a whole bunch of stuff. I said some things about his mom. There was a whole bunch of stuff that went on in this little ruckus. The referee then came, came over and gave me, which was the first ever yellow card in touch rugby. I was actually told after the fact that I was the first guy to ever receive this. They sent me off the field for aggressive contact in a non-contact sport. I was sent off. Uh, I was sent to what they call the sin bin. That's actually what they call it, where you've got to go cool off for 10 minutes. I get to the area where I'm supposed to sit down, and there in the front row is my youth pastor, his wife, all the youth leaders, and my whole small group of kids. They came out to support me, the new potential Christian guy in the youth group. And I looked at them, and they looked at me, and they just sort of waved, and I thought, well... Okay, well, Jesus also got angry sometimes. So before you look at me with that tone, I think we can all agree that uh, all of us at one point or another have become angry. We all lose it sometimes. We all get angry sometimes. We all get frustrated sometimes. The Bible actually tells us in Galatians 5 that that is a part of our fallen nature. We are going to feel angry at times, but I am going to give you really good news this morning. Are you ready for it? The Bible actually never says that it's sinful to be angry. Can I get a hallelujah up in this piece? <laughs> Ephesians 4 verses 26 does say this though. 
In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So in as much as the feelings or the emotions of anger is not sinful in and of itself, what you do with those feelings can be very, very sinful. One of the things that we've been saying consistently throughout the series is that love is not simply a feeling. When we talk about love, sometimes I think we have these visions of passion and romance. It's a little bit like a fire that just burns beautifully through a big, big forest. And wherever the fire might go, it's okay. And we've said this multiple times that 1 Corinthians 13 shows us that not only is love not a feeling, but if anything, real godly love is the ability to deny some of the feelings we feel at times. Real godly love is the ability to manage and to properly use some of the emotions we feel at times. It is okay to feel angry from time to time, but it is not okay to do some of the things that we do when we get angry. And I'll tell you what, as I look around, as I look around in the culture, um, there is a lot of anger right now. We are a angry people. We are frustrated people. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think there's a lot of justification behind why we feel the way we feel. But as Christians, we are called to be people of love. We are called to be people of peace. We are called to be people of hope. So today we are going to take a little bit of a deeper look into anger. One Bible commentator, when referring to 1 Corinthians 13, said it this way. Um, he said this, Love is not embittered or enraged by abuse, wrong, insult, or injury. Love treats others with kindness and consideration, but receives much of the opposite. It's not about what life throws at you. It's not about what people do to you. It's about how you respond to all of it that makes the difference. So what we're going to do today is, is we're going to go through a whole bunch of different things. The first thing I would like to look at today is what it looks like when we don't manage our anger properly. I believe that when we mismanage our anger, we will turn into one of two animals. We will either turn into turtles or we will turn into skunks. Um, when we get angry, we either become like turtles and pull our heads in and clam up. We may be what's called passive aggressive. We pretend like we're not angry, but whatever the person or the situation is, it's not bothering us. But then we release our anger in some other way, usually a way that's not so good. Some of us have decided to deal with our anger without dealing with our anger at all. I've got news for you. You can think that you can put a seal on your anger. The reality is it's like water. It will find a leak and it will come out in different ways. And this is what we call passive aggressive. I don't know if you remember this from last week, but I articulated with great skill and with great persuasion last week that it is in fact not rude to be sarcastic. You remember that? And the whole church family agreed, yay, we will keep sarcasm as a part of this faith community. But I do believe with great regret in my heart that sarcasm is in fact the mother of passive aggressiveness. When we are harboring anger, 
And when we are harboring feelings that have not been dealt with properly, it will often manifest itself in sarcastic little quips that can be quite harmful and that can be quite hurtful. A great example of this would be myself. A couple of weeks ago, found myself in the Lowe's and uh, they've, they've designed that place perfectly. So by the way, it's just, it's absolutely perfect. It's like a desert island. There's just complete isolation as you walk in there. Lots of people, but you're by yourself. You're alone. Water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink is what I say. Your cell phone cuts out beautifully as you walk into the store. So now you cannot Google anything for help. You're by yourself to try and find help. And uh, I was in the store for three days trying to find someone to help me. Finally, somebody came over to me, didn't look very enthusiastic, sort of just said, what's your problem? And I said to them, can you please show me the aisle where the Home Depot is? Because I'd like to go to that place instead. That is sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. And even though it was executed with absolute perfection, highly unnecessary. Um, Passive aggression will manifest itself in sarcasm. Passive aggressiveness will manifest itself in our Christian community in prayers. Have you ever had the sarcastic prayer? Miss Uta is a champion at this. Um, she will pray for you. I'll give you a classic example. You will pray for someone and you'll go, praise the Lord, Pastor Mark is preaching today. Lord, we just thank you that today somewhat this will make sense. Um, Father, we glorify you that he won't waffle on for too long. Hallelujah, praise your name, right? This, is, uh, this looks helpful on the surface, but really you are being corrected in a very Christian way. Hallelujah. <laughs> the other thing that happens I've seen when it comes to passive aggressiveness is, and I see this honestly a lot in working environments, um, I've seen this at times in our office as well. It's the let me criticize someone or deal with a situation by making a joke in front of everybody and we're all laughing, ha, 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 but actually I'm addressing a very serious issue that probably required some different way of dealing with it. It's a way that we sort of get things out there. It sort of disguises itself as a joke. It disguises itself as friendly, but really it can be very harmful and it can be very hurtful if it's done inappropriately. So these are all the ways that our passive aggressiveness can come out. Some of us behave this way when we don't deal with our anger properly. The next thing that some of us will become if we don't manage our behavior properly is we become skunks. And uh, all of a sudden, without any warning, we explode and we stink out the joint. Um, it becomes nasty and it becomes um, a very awkward situation for everybody. I kind of gave you a good example of myself losing my cool on the rugby field. But again, this is similar to passive aggressiveness in that we're not dealing with the anger. We're not dealing with what's actually going on underneath the surface. There's all kinds of things busy raging and we suppress it and we suppress it and we suppress it. And then all of a sudden, one day we blow our top. And usually what happens is, is we say a whole bunch of things that we should not say. What we then do is, is in our attempts to apologize, we say, I was angry, I did not mean any of what I said to you. Here's the sad truth about that statement, and here it is. Very often in those moments of rage, we are actually being very truthful. That's the sad part. 
we're actually being very honest. So when we say I was angry, I didn't mean it. What we should actually say is I was so angry, I couldn't help myself but be honest. <laughs> is actually what happens. And what happens is, is when we blow our top like that and when we say things then that we shouldn't say in those moments, we are confronting issues that should have been confronted in a godly way, but because we kept on suppressing it, now it comes out in a way that is the wrong timing and is said in a way that is very harmful and very destructive. We need to make sure that we are not turtles or skunks when it comes to managing these feelings of anger. I believe that there are three reasons why we feel angry. And the first one is we get hurt. We feel angry when we are hurt. And we actually have a great example in the Bible of this. Martha gets upset with Jesus when her brother Lazarus dies. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, says John eleven twenty one. Martha is hurting emotionally. She is mourning emotionally. She has lost her brother. And in this moment of frustration, in this moment of hurt, she has no choice. She doesn't know how to handle it. So what she does is, is she ends up blaming Jesus for the fact that her brother has passed away. There is, a, uh, there is an old saying, and it's so true, the adage, hurt people hurt people, right? We are going to be walking around with a ton of anger on the inside of us if we have been hurt by life, hurt by people, hurt by situations, but we don't take the time to deal with that hurt. That hurt will manifest itself in a lot of outbursts of angry rants. Um, we say that, our, Jacob said it so well this morning, our vision is to preach, teach, and heal. We fundamentally believe as a church that there has to be healing for the soul. Oh, every single one of us sitting in this place, we've been through things. We've experienced things. We've had hurt in our lives. We've had disappointment in our lives. And so often what we try to do is, is we simply try to cover it up and move on. Let me just walk it off, right? We're just going to walk it off. Certain things you can't just walk off. You've actually got to allow the Lord the space to really get in there and do open heart surgery on some of the hurts and some of the wounds that you have had in your life. That's why we do Friday nights. That's why we do some of the other things that we do because we want to provide the space for people to actually get healing for the hurt so they don't blow their tops when they get angry. Um, I really feel like this is a big, big issue. And when you've been hurt in that way, very often what tends to happen is, is we start to view everybody in the same light as the perpetrator. So you get fired that week from a terrible boss. You are hurt by your boss. You feel betrayed by your boss. You are angry at your boss. Now some poor guy cuts in front of you in traffic and you are ready to bash their head in with a baseball bat because somehow them and your boss are the same person and they're not, right? You're carrying around hurt that has not been dealt with properly. So the first reason we mismanage anger is we are actually carrying around hurt. Second reason why we mismanage our anger is because we are frustrated. <clears throat> we get frustrated. And I believe that in the Bible, we actually very often see God's anger. And when we see God's anger, it is very often connected to frustration. God is frustrated with his people. He's frustrated at the fact that they won't listen to him. He's frustrated at the fact that they won't obey him. 
God gets frustrated when he sees sin and when he sees unrighteousness. So there is a righteous anger that some of us will experience when we see unrighteousness taking place. When we see people not listening to the Lord, when we see people disobeying, when we see people hurting and harming themselves, there is a frustration and a righteous anger that will step into our lives and we will feel the same kind of anger that the Lord feels. Unfortunately, though, I feel like for most of us, the frustration we feel when we get angry is not connected to righteousness. I believe that most of the time it is connected to selfishness. Unfortunately for most of us, when we are getting frustrated all the time, it is because things are not going the way we want them to go. I, um, <clears throat> I actually think that frustration is a wonderful gauge to show you how much of you is left in your life, right? It's the old, the old me has died and the new me has been raised up with Christ. I am a new creation. The old me does not exist anymore. I now live in the reality of the fact that Christ is in me and I'm relying on him and I'm trusting in him. Less of me, more of him, I believe, says John the Baptist. But every time frustration comes onto the dashboard of the motor vehicle, it's like it's telling you, hey, there's still a little bit of you left in there. There's still a bit of you left in the tank. So I actually think it can be very helpful when we get frustrated sometimes because it shows us a little bit of some of the things that's left in our life, some of the stuff that still needs to die, some of the things that still wants to contend and selfishly fight. We get angry when we are frustrated. Third one is we get angry when we are afraid. We get angry when we are afraid. That is what happened when Jesus' disciple on the Sea of Galilee. A storm came up and the disciples thought they were going to die. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping and the disciples wake Jesus and ask him, Teacher, don't you care if we all drown? <laughs> right? Can you imagine the irony of that? God himself steps out of eternity into time and space. He comes to deliver us. He comes to save us. He is the great Savior. He's Emmanuel. He is here. His whole purpose is to stand in the gap for us and to rescue us. And in this moment of fear and panic, the disciples accuse him of not actually caring about them. Talk about ironic. I believe that this is the same for a lot of us. As we get nervous, as we get afraid, as we get scared, we don't know how else to react. So the way we react very often is through anger and we lash out. The best form of defense sometimes we believe is to attack. We can, in fact, manage our anger. We can, in fact, control our anger. We don't have to succumb to every feeling and every emotion that we experience. And that is the good news for us today. We see this perfect example of how God deals with, with anger in Jesus. God did not clam up over sin and do nothing, nor did God blow up and in a rage punish everyone on the spot. Instead, God sent Jesus, our Savior, from sin and condemnation. Romans 5, 6 to 8 says this. This is such a profound piece of scripture. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God took his anger over sin, your sin and my sin, and he put it on Jesus. He put it on Jesus on the cross. There on the cross, Jesus suffered the anger of God, the wrath of God for us. Jesus went through all of this so that we don't have to. We see this perfect, perfect demonstration of God's love in the midst of the situation. God shows up. God goes to right where the problem is. God speaks truth. God speaks love. God sacrifices himself in all humility. We are given this beautiful picture of what it looks like to have justified anger, but then what it looks like in how we should deal with it. As we conclude today, or as we start wrapping up today, I want to give you a couple of practical steps as to how we can manage our anger more appropriately. As I've said in this message before, love is not just about feeling feelings, but love is about managing the feelings we feel. And I believe with all my heart this morning that we can, in fact, no matter how bad it is, we can, in fact, manage some of those emotions and some of those feelings in a way that is godly. So I'm going to give you three things. The first thing I want to talk about is release. We need to release our anger appropriately. We need to release our anger appropriately. Far too often as Christians, do we sort of just gloss over issues, gloss over situations, and try to fix it by simply moving on. That's not how things work. We need to understand and we need to acknowledge the fact that we have anger in our lives. It's a real thing. You can't pretend like it's not there and it is going to come out at some point or another. So the only way to manage your anger properly is to release it appropriately in the right way. The Bible gives us a couple of great ways to do this. First one I want to look at is Matthew 18 verses 15. And it says this, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. I want to include in this passage of scripture, if your brother or sister has sinned against you, you need to go to them and have a conversation with them. I believe that 90% of the anger issues we deal with is due to the fact that we don't know how to resolve conflict in a godly manner. The Bible is very clear when it says that it is okay to have conflict with someone. It's about how you deal with it and what we should be doing is, is we should be getting together. So when you feel like somebody has wronged you, when you feel like you've got a problem with somebody, the appropriate godly thing to do, according to Matthew, is not to harbor it for 27 years and then one day release it on the person. Um, it's not to go to everybody else and tell them how bad the person is. It's not to put a whole bunch of things on Facebook that's like a riddle that makes it look like you're upset, but we don't really know who you're upset with. Um, it's like this fun little puzzle that we're all trying to solve. Who is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? That's not how we deal with it. I always say this to people. Who doesn't love coffee? I mean, there's a couple of ungodly people in here that don't like coffee. But, right, for the most of us, for the sane ones in the room, we love coffee. What I always tell people is this. When somebody upsets you, 
It's an opportunity for another cup of coffee. Hallelujah. God bless. Right? Take them out for a cup of coffee. And you know what I've seen over the years? Most of the time, when you sit down with someone and you go, look, this is what I think happened, or this is how I saw it, or this is how I perceived it, this is how I feel. Most of the time, the other person is going to be reasonable, and you're probably going to come out of that situation feeling just light on your feet, and you would have probably gained a friend instead of had this unknown enemy in your life. So we've got to get to the place where we understand how to have godly conflict, and that happens with conversations with one another. Next thing that scripture says about releasing anger appropriately, James 5 verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I was just reading in a devotional of mine this week that we can't do this walk alone. Can't do it alone. I know, we all love the Lone Ranger, you know, high silver away. We all want to be the Lone Ranger. We all want to do our own thing. But that's not how this faith works. That's not how Christianity works. We cannot become the people God has called us to become without one another. I hate to say this to you, but we are stuck together. We have to do this together. And I believe that as this scripture points out, one of the healthiest things you can do is you can have some people in your life that know you, you know them, you're accountable to one another, you love Jesus, they have your best interests at heart, but you can go to them and you can share these frustrations with them and they have the room and the space to speak openly and honestly into your life. You have to have that. I, uh, I feel like for the first time in my life, I really am starting to get to the place where I have that. And I cannot tell you how often I will go to the people that I trust in, I rely in, and I'll say to them, is it just me? <laughs> this is how you know I'm frustrated. I'll start the sentence with, is it just me? Or is this, this, and this busy happening? And then 90% of the time I'll be told, it is in fact just you. Um, <laughs> none of that is actually happening. So cool your heels, buddy. So we have got to release these things appropriately. The next way that we should release this anger, this frustration, is through prayer and meditation. Um, I used to think that meditation was such a weird thing. I used to make fun of people that meditated. Um, it was just like, oh, weird, what is that? And I'm starting to realize now in my life that it is so powerful. It is such an incredible tool to really just take portions of Scripture and to sit in it. And you don't have to sit in it for too long. Even five minutes a day to start your day off. There's some amazing meditation apps out there that actually connect the two scripture and you just sit nice and calmly and it's sort of you're in, you know, a Costa Rican jungle with little, like, I don't know what that was, birds or the wind or it's just rain falling on a tin roof. It's just so soothing. It's a creek. It's the sound of your wife shouting in the background. Whatever it is, whatever soothes your soul, and then there's scripture that you can meditate upon. It's unbelievable how powerful that is just to release some of the stuff back to the Lord. Next thing is we need to repattern our thinking. We need to release our anger appropriately and we need to repattern our thinking. Proverbs 22 verses 24 to 25 says this, do not make friends with a hot tempered person. <laughs> do not associate <laughs> do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared 
Man, I, I read this and immediately what I started thinking about was Facebook and social media. Oh man, are we all brave on those social, social media, right? Everybody becomes uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on those things. Everybody wants to pick a fight. Everybody's a tough guy. Everybody says a whole bunch of destructive things. And before you know it, you feel empowered to do the same. The Bible says that's not what we should be doing. That's not how we should be thinking. James 1 verses 19 to 20, it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Oh boy, this is a tough one. Everyone should be quick to listen. Isn't listening fun? Who doesn't love listening? I love listening. Oh, that gets tricky. Slow to speak. We know you're brilliant. You're brilliant. We know. We know you're brilliant. But show us your brilliance in listening. Um, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And then last but not least, this morning, we, re- we need to rely on God's help. We need to rely on God's help. I, um, I told you earlier that I had to go 20 years back to find an example of me being angry and frustrated. That, that was a blatant lie. Um, I, I get very frustrated at all kinds of nonsense all the time. And as a matter of fact, not so long ago, we were on vacation. I think this was about three weeks ago. And I was there with my family and it was beautiful and it was great. And it's about day three of every vacation where I've now clearly had too much time to think and I become a danger to myself and those around me. Um, but I woke up early cause I'm an early bird, early bird catches the worm and my family were all still asleep. And immediately I was frustrated and angry. Uh, Why are they all sleeping? God literally made it that nighttime is sleep time and sun time is awake time. So immediately I'm connecting my anger and frustration to God's anger and righteousness. It's seven o'clock in the morning. The waves are calling my name. Let's get up, people. So anyways, I was frustrated right out the gate. We then go down to the restaurant and we had to stand in a line. Again, I was frustrated. Why do I, Lord Mark Crossman, have to stand in a line? Do they not know who I am? I then finally got into the restaurant and there was no one to serve us because we're in a world pandemic. I get that we're in a world pandemic, but my needs in this restaurant is really what matters right now. So I was frustrated at that. They then presented me with a limited menu Good Lord, help me with the limited menus. I was like, you're a breakfast place and eggs is not on the menu. That seems extremely limited to me. Um, So now I'm fuming and I'm frustrated and I can actually feel my heart beating in my neck. And it's at this moment where I look around and there's my three beautiful daughters. There's my wife. (laughs) We're in a beautiful place. We're on vacation. We've got our health. I've got a job still by the grace of God. Um, And here I am, and I am allowing something as ridiculous as the amount of items on a menu to rob me of my joy and to rob me of what is blatantly in front of me. God is good, and he's been good to you, and he's been good to me, and he's better to us than we would ever deserve. But for some reason, we have this tendency to constantly go back to the things that aren't working or the things that are frustrating. We allow ourselves to be driven by this frustration and this anger on the inside. 
but there's something greater on the inside of us. There's something more beautiful on the inside of us. Listen to this, and I'm going to close with this. Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 21. Listen to this unbelievable piece of scripture. And this is Paul praying, and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me in this place today. Let's close our eyes just for a minute here. Yes, things aren't perfect. Yes, things can get frustrating. Yes, some of us have been hurt. Yes, some of us feel fearful from time to time. But the Bible says that there is this great love, the love of the Father, the love of Christ that dwells on the inside of us. This love is deep. It is profound. It is powerful. It is strong. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from this great love. So this morning, I'm asking you, if you're struggling with this, if you're dealing with this, if you're an angry person, then let's not hold on to that. But let's let it go today. Let's give that anger. Let's give that frustration. Let's hand it over to Him. Let's trust in Him. Let's rely on Him. Jesus took all the wrath upon Himself so that we might be people of peace, so that we might be people of joy, so that we might be people of unity. So Father, this morning we pray and we cry out, Lord. I thank you, Father, for who you are. Lord, help us, Lord, to manage some of these emotions in a godly way. Father, I thank you that if there's any hurt in this place, Lord, that you will reveal to us the hurt that we're carrying. Father, heal us. Put us back together again. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this place that is fearful and is driven by fear, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you will give us peace, give us wisdom, create a calm for the storm that is on the inside of us. Father, I thank you that you make us godly people, people that can honor you, people that can represent you, people that can show your love in everything we say and in everything we do. Father, we hand this over you to you completely today. Thank you, Father. I want you to look up at me, please. If you're in this place today and uh, somewhere in the service, whether it be as you came in, maybe it was during the message, maybe it was during the worship, but somewhere today, during this time, you just realized within your heart that it was time for you to take the next step with God. Whatever that looks like for you, you felt the Holy Spirit convicting you, drawing you, reaching out to you. And as you stand here today, you say to me, you know what, Pastor Mark, I genuinely feel like I am ready to take that next step in my spiritual journey. I am ready to receive the free gift of Christ. I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus. I want to walk a road with Him. Well, it is our mission as a church to walk alongside you as you take your next steps in your journey. And I would like to start that journey today 
by praying for you. So if there's anybody in this place today that you're ready for that next step in your journey, whatever that might look like, I want you to quickly slip up your hand because I would like to pray for you personally in this place. One, two, three, if that is you today. Going once, going twice, going three times. You guys are perfect. That is amazing. All right, come. Let me pray for us and I will dismiss us today. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. We are so grateful to you. Father, help us to be the people you have called us to be. We love you. We honor you. We glorify you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, I love you guys. Go out there. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Let's go treat people with kindness. Amen.